It's the Super Bowl edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I am caddy of the show Armando Salguero, star of the show Adam Beasley. Um, we're 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 a little uh, distraught as we record this uh, this podcast, man. Yeah, we uh, it's Sunday afternoon here in South Florida and three thousand miles away. Uh, one of the greatest athletes of modern time and maybe even of all time uh, is reportedly dead. Kobe Bryant dead at 41 in a helicopter crash. Now you're going to have to bear with us guys. We we're just getting a lot of these details as we, as we tape this, there are conflicting reports about who was on the helicopter and all that. So without getting into the weeds too much, we should just talk about for a second uh, Kobe Bryant dying. I mean, I saw someone on Twitter uh, saying it was, um, you know, like when Roberto Clemente died, I think, I guess Clemente was still playing when he, we died in a plane crash. It was, he was on a, he was on a missionary mission, I believe, right. Or a, a humanitarian mission in the Caribbean when his plane went down, obviously Payne Stewart was, uh, the, the golfer was, 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 was still active when he died in a plane crash. But I think this is the biggest. Thurman, Thurman Munson. Yeah. Right. Uh, but those guys were all, big this is this is an icon i mean this is probably between the jordan era and the lebron james era he was the face of the national basketball association and uh was one of its most prolific scorers and he he you know it's it's awful it's just absolutely awful um we we were talking before we started recording and we're going to try to get to some football and uh, it won't be too light uh we're, we're going to obviously be very respectful as, as to the news that just broke but uh, real quick, Armando, um, the, the, the reason this hits me hard is because uh, he's basically uh, followed my, my, my life arc. I mean, he, uh, he's a year older than me. He was from Eastern PA. I'm from Central PA. Um, I saw him play twice in high school when he was this huge phenom. Everyone knew he was going to be drafted in the first round. Uh, once I saw him in this uh, – all this this basketball tournament in, in Myrtle Beach, the I think it's called a Beach Ball Classic. They, if you're a, if you have a McDonald's All American on your team, they they invite your team basically. He was there when I was down there for vacation, uh, and then I saw him play at the uh, the state championship game at Hershey, PA, the same arena where Wilt scored 100 points. This was I guess winter, early spring of 1996, and he was. I mean, to use a bad cliche, a, a man among boys. I mean, he was a bunch of 18-year-olds, and he looked like he was 35. You could tell that he had an incredible natural ability, and he went to L.A. and, you know, may have become a bigger star than Magic Johnson there. It's just – it, my, my, my head really can't get around it just because he was so so much a part of my coming of age as a sports writer, as a sports fan, um, and he's gone and he's a year older than me. It, it, it sucks, man. It really sucks. Well, and he was a complete person. He wasn't just a basketball player. This is a, a guy who was born abroad and spoke three or four languages. Um, you know, obviously was a person who, after his career, which was a stellar career, was trying to make his post-career days uh, surpass his career days. And, you know, with his charitable organizations and um, the the things that he did and the places that he went and the people that he met and touched, that was obviously something that uh, very few people want to do, much less actually do. And so 
um, you know, it's it's a loss not just for the sports world, but for the planet. Mm-hmm. And I would say to you, the one thing that I most um, loved about that guy is that he was the consummate competitor. It's what I love about Tom Brady. It's what I love about people that I've covered for a long time. Um, my only recollection of him, obviously, I you know I never uh, crossed paths with him in a professional setting other than one year later in his career, he comes to the AAA and he has a bad game. And I was just there as a fan. Um, and it's interesting because after the game, I uh, I went back there because I had you know I, I have a pass and to say hello to the writers and stuff and I come back out and there's Kobe Bryant like 35 40 minutes after the game um, uh, working mm-hmm. on his shot after a bad game and this is already a man who's going into the Hall of Fame this is already a man who has won world championships for his team and this is a man who just had a bad game and he's gonna erase that memory and make sure that it doesn't happen the next night um pretty impressive to me and obviously you know we we've gone on about this but um just you know prayers prayers up for his family um, we do have a game coming up in the local vicinity. Adam. <laughs> we do. Do you want to? Uh, do you want? Do you want to take a break for a second? Let the people regroup, and then we'll we'll get into the game. Uh, have we done ten minutes yet? I, we- I, I I think we can make an exception to the rule today, since it's such a strange day. Okay, so I'll I'll go get myself a you know a swig, and then we can come back. All right, ready? Right. Yep, go ahead. Coming back in three, two, one. Super Bowl 54 is on tap in South Florida, Adam Beasley. And um, let me announce this right now, okay? Miami. It's the Super Bowls in Miami, okay? I'm not going with the Dade County. I'm not going with Miami Gardens. I'm not going with Fort Lauderdale. The Super Bowl's in Miami. Good. Uh, the, 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 the good people of uh, Miami, thank you for that branding. Yeah, it's uh, – what is it? How many were in uh, – we're at the uh, the Orange Bowl, I think, that they've, this is the 11th now. Either five or six were at the OB. Is that correct? That is correct. And um, so this game is going to be the classic – um, I would say the classic test of the old adage that you need an elite quarterback to win the Super Bowl, to win the NFL championship. Um, one of these two teams has an elite quarterback, Adam, and I would say to you, one of them doesn't. Would you agree with me? Yes, I think that's an excellent point. I think one of the biggest storylines in the next seven days will be can Garoppolo match the greatness, I mean, the absolute greatness that is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's, I guess, three years in now from Mahomes, and he's now done things that 
very few people who have ever walked the planet have been able to do uh, on a football field. And uh, as, as good looking and as polished at times and as valuable as Garoppolo is to the Niners, um, they're, they're a bit of a front-running team, aren't they? I mean, they, in, in, in a way, they're, they're a better version than the Titans, which the, the Chiefs just took apart um, because they're you know ground and pound, uh, take shots with your quarterback when it's there. Uh, I think you know Garoppolo is probably a little better than Tannehill, but Tannehill had an excellent season this past year. Uh, and we saw just seven days ago that that's not enough to beat a team that can score 51 points in a row. It's, uh, th- that's why I agree with you. If you were just looking at it on its merits – uh, this game tilts toward the Chiefs in my mind. Uh, that's fair. Nonetheless, the 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 counterbalance to the Chiefs have a great quarterback and a great offense is the 49ers have a pretty awesome team. And, and they have an, a great front seven, and they don't give up a lot of rushing yards, and they do run the football. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough, more than good enough, and that is the that is the formula that they have chosen, not necessarily the formula that the Miami Dolphins seemingly are are chasing. Mm-hmm. Their formula is, and they are pretty much. We got to find that quarterback. We've got to find that quarterback. We've got to find that quarterback. Good luck finding a quarterback as good as Patrick Mahomes in the next draft. Yeah, no, he is. Uh, again, we we don't want to get too ahead of our skis because it only is is only three years. But the things, the natural ability that Mahomes has shown consistently, playing at an absurdly high level, uh, and who was it, Steve Deberg, who's you know has played for both the Chiefs and the Niners, and he was interviewed, I think, recently on a radio show, and his comments that got that got some traction, where it was like. If I threw the passes that Mahomes throws, uh, I'd get benched. And you chuckle about that, but it's true because those throws from Mahomes are touchdowns. Any other quarterback, there'd be interceptions. And there's there's no defense against that, really. When, when a guy is throwing no-look passes across his body 40 yards on a dime, I mean, any coach in, in any level of football would tell you that's an interception. You throw a pass like that across your body, across the field, it's going to be a pick. He throws it where only his receivers can get it. And if you're a Dolphins fan, because this is a Dolphins podcast, and presumably follow the Miami Dolphins if you're listening to this, um, I think it's easier to build a team like the Niners than it is to build a team like the Chiefs. <laughs> because there are only one, there's only one Patrick Mahomes. Now I know Lamar Jackson had a phenomenal season, and we can't discount the idea that pocket passers are still very valuable in the league. And so... You know, you know, two is the name that comes up time and again. He's a pocket passer. Um, but just think the production level I'm talking about, they get from the quarterback. It seems to me it's easier to find a guy that's like Garoppolo, spend a ton of resources on your front seven and your running game and, and hope that's enough. I mean, certainly obviously been enough for them to get to the Super Bowl. Um, we, we'll, we'll find out in, in seven days if it's enough to win it all. You spent three fun-filled days in Mobile, Alabama at Senior Bowl interviews and practice sessions. What quarterback or quarterbacks impressed you the most or why? Yeah, well, I, I went into the week uh, an enormous, an enormous Justin Herbert skeptic. I think we've talked about this multiple times on this podcast. He's kind of like an afterthought when it comes, and this this might be a, Certainly a, a failure on my coverage, but he, he's certainly an afterthought when it comes to guys that are on the Dolphins' radar. 
Um, certainly Burrow, if they had a number one pick, they would probably take Burrow because he's really good and he's healthy. Uh, we think that at five and maybe even at three, if they have to, assuming Tua uh, passes all the, 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 you know, the medical benchmarks that he has to pass that next week's scouting combine, he'd be the guy there. We don't even talk about Herbert as a possibility at five. And maybe that needs to change because, I mean, it, it's telling, Armando. He, uh, we got uh, half an hour with, uh, with Brian Flores. We got 15 minutes with um, Chris Greer this past week. And the, and the words Justin Herbert didn't come up once in those conversations. And not only me, but I mean, reporters from every other market. Maybe we should start taking him seriously. Maybe the fact that he was stellar all week and he was really good in the game and he was the MVP and all that. If, if you can play at that level against players that are all destined for at least training camp and maybe an NFL roster, um, you're not bad. You're not a bad guy. You're, 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 you don't stink at the position. Um, and and I, I'm sure it's still two is their guy, assuming he's healthy. But if that's an assumption. If he's not, if he's not right. Do you think they consider Justin Herbert at five? Let me, so obviously I didn't go. I, I was very, very busy here by my pool. Um, while <laughs> you, had some, were, you had some other stuff going on. You, you, we should talk about the, how you we spent will. your week. We, yeah. we will. Um, but I did talk to a couple of people who were there. And yes, Justin Herbert was the most impressive quarterback of all the quarterbacks in the Senior Bowl practices. Um, I watched them yesterday. And having that picture come to light, I still say to you this. When he's under pressure and he needs to make passes outside the numbers or deep down the field, his accuracy is lacking. Mm -hmm. um, he is he is fine or typically fine, um, you know, with. The RPO stuff and the slants and stuff like that. But when he's outside the pocket, when he needs to throw outside the numbers and down the field, the accuracy is off and often off. And my question is, is that because he didn't get great work or can that be solved or can that be somehow managed uh, in the next level or at the next level over time? Or is that who he is? That's my question about Justin Herbert. Uh, a lot of people say, a lot of people who make more money and are a lot smarter know a lot more of football uh, than I do, uh, say you look for certain traits that are transferable. And some traits you have to have or they, they don't come. And accuracy is one of them. Now, certainly Lamar Jackson has flourished as a passer, uh, and accuracy was a knock on him. So maybe he is the, you know, the exception that disproves the rule. But overwhelmingly, there's evidence that if you're not an accurate passer uh, in college, you're not going to be an accurate passer in the NFL. And uh, I'll tell you this, Armando, all the things you say are 100% right. Uh, and his inability to play off script is too much like the guy the Dolphins made went, went out of their way to get rid of, and the guy that, that that's playing in a Pro Bowl today, Ryan Tannehill, because there's a hard ceiling to his, you know, his potential and right. the, the potential of your team when you, you need everything to be perfect because 
we've seen an offensive line. Uh, this is I just finished my eighth season. Can't believe that eighth season covering the Dolphins. Uh, I think once, maybe twice, they had an offensive line that was even average. The rest, it's just been terrible. Um, it's never going to be perfect, and it's definitely never going to be perfect in Miami. So again, that's why I think they might have they might keep their distance. And and if he's there, if you know if he's there at eighteen, they'll think about it. But at five, I, I think that would, that's a bridge too far. Right. Um, the 2016 offensive line was pretty good. Correct. That's, yeah, uh, I would say that's that's fair. Uh, yeah. But they they had three number one picks on that offensive line. Correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't yes. think I don't think they're going to have three number one picks on next year's line, considering they have zero oh. number one picks on their roster presently. I think unless I mean, oh, oh maybe maybe they, maybe they could sign Jack Conklin, who's who was a number one pickup. I remember correctly. Oh. And Brandon Scherf. And Brandon Scherf, and then use their second pick in the draft to get. Um, I think that there's a, there's a certain uh, offensive line from Alabama you've been talking about for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the right tackle who would be perfect for the for the uh, for the uh, left-handed quarterback. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yes. What's his so, name? Uh, um, is it? I want to say Wilts. Why am I talking Wills? Will. Yes, yes, you're, yes, that is that is correct. I'm having a brain <laughs> fart here. Yeah, we're, we're we're all thrown for a loop a little bit today, so that's yeah. that, that's forgivable. Um, but yeah, no. I, here's the one. Um, here's the one guy that is, I think, the biggest, and and I know you have strong feelings about him. The biggest wild card at the position is Jordan Love, because and and a little bit of reporting here. Not only did Love meet with the Dolphins. Uh, this past week in Mobile, which is no surprise because teams meet with everybody, but he met with the guys, including Dan Marino, who was out there. Uh, and Marino, uh, according to people I trust, uh, went out of his way to tell Love that 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 he did well in that interview, that he that he did what he needed to do in the time he spent with the Dolphins. So, I mean, you talk about getting finding the next Patrick Mahomes. He's the he's the quarterback in the draft whose ability is the most similar. I'm not saying he's the same player. Uh-huh. The this, this, this style of play he has, he, uh-huh. has the, he has the athletic ability. He has the arm. He just throws the wrong team way too many times. Uh-huh. Come on, get, get, get after me, Armando. Get after me. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so by the way, it's Jedrick Wills uh, mm-hmm. is, is the Alabama tackle. Um, Look, he's coming off a bad season. Let's let's call it what it is. Bad. 20, 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, and I don't even know what conference Utah State plays in. What what is that? Is that the Big Sky? I mean, it it's seems like something over their conference that I don't watch because they play really late at night. Yes, um, but it's not just that. It's the the projectiness about him. He is not. If you're picking Jordan Love, you've decided he's not playing the first year. Correct. And maybe not starting the second year either, because it's a bridge too far to ask him to come in as a rookie. Not good, because he's not good right now and not good enough. And then also, by the way, learn the offense, learn the defenses, lead the team and and beat out a guy 
who is really good at all of those mm-hmm. and has familiarity with the offensive coordinator. It's not going to happen. He's not going to be able to do it because he's going to be worried about footwork. He's going to be worried about uh, eye uh, command. He's going to be worried about stuff that ready-made quarterbacks don't have to worry about. Now, the counterbalance to that is Patrick Mahomes didn't play his first year either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes. I don't. I, I see project guy. I see kind of not. I see more Lamar Jackson-ish type of, of, of an arc, not in that he's going to throw 33 touchdowns his second year, in that it's going to take him a while. Um, which, which <laughs> at best. Is, yeah, which, which is fine if you take him at 38 or whatever their second round pick is, right? That's, right. that's, that's fine. If, if, if he lasts to the early second round and you don't have a quarterback yet, he is the perfect player to take at 38. Sure as hell ain't taking him at five. And if you take him at 18, <laughs> you expect the 18th pick in the draft to do something for you on the field in year one. You don't, you don't expect the 18th pick in the, in, in the draft. And I know, I mean, the Chiefs drafted him a little even higher than that, and they sat him, but they also sat him behind a guy who – Had know, taken he, him to the playoffs the year before and correct. took him to the playoffs that year as well. Correct. So uh, it's the, – the draft, like anything else in the National Football League, is does the player meet the number? And free agents, does he meet the salary? And in, in, in draft prospects, does he meet where he's taken? And I'll tell you this, I, the, the time we spent with, uh, with, with Chris, with Chris Greer out in Mobile, we asked him about a ton of things. Um, he said they have more than enough ammo to go up and get any player they want, which they don't. Isn't, which is right, which isn't exactly true because I don't think there's any, there's any number that would get the Bengals off the number one pick. Maybe four first-round picks, but if, they, if the Dolphins do that, they're, they're going to put their franchise behind even farther than it is now. That's not going to happen. So, uh, but he basically he's saying if we want Tua, we can get Tua. But he also said this is that I'm under no pressure to take Tua, and I think he also that also means I'm under no pressure to take any player. That if the guy isn't right at that spot, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to jeopardize my franchise for reaching for a guy who I don't think is worth that value. That might be his philosophy. We could get to the last weekend of April. And Steve Ross, who's 78 years old and has owned this team for a decade, has never seen a playoff win, um, he, 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 could, he could feel differently. And that's the, that's the push and pull. He, Chris might not feel any pressure now, but when it's the week of and Justin Herbert feels like they're their only last good chance to get a, a starting quarterback, but they're not comfortable with him at five, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know who's going to win that push and pull. I would say to you the fact that he's telling you uh, that he feels no pressure to take anyone, and he's been saying this for a while, is you know why? Because he's feeling pressure to take to a Tungvaloa. And here's the thing. He's not speaking to you or to me or to the fans. He's speaking to other teams. I'm not under any pressure to trade up to get to a Tungvaloa. So don't even think about asking me for a lot when I try to trade up to get to a Tonga Valoa. It's all a game. 
what he's doing is very transparent. And he's what he's saying is, please don't rob me when I try <laughs> to take to a, leave me wearing at least underwear. Don't take my pants and my underwear also when I'm trading for Tua Tungavaloa. That's uh, what he is really saying. I think I think you're on to something there. And I, and I think I'll do you one better here, Armando. I think they would be wise uh, to, like the Jets did two years ago when they, when they traded up for Darnold, to, to get that trade to number three done now. So, because I think the closer you get, the, the more crazy things get. I, I think they'd be better served to, to finding out what the Lions number is now and just giving it to them. That way they ensure themselves whatever player they, they want whose name is in Joe Burrow or Chase Young and, 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 and go about their business and, and, and not have a single worry on draft day that you can just spend the next three months making sure Tua is that guy. Uh, because if not, Isaiah Simmons is a hell of a player. That'd be a great system fit uh, in, in in Brian Flores' defense. Uh, there are a ton of other players that are really good that they could take at three. But if they, if they make that trade now for three, they guarantee themselves two if they want them. Let's uh, let's close it out with this, Adam. So this is Super Bowl Fifty Four. It's in Miami, and next Saturday, number fifty four, Zach Thomas has a chance to be elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fight. I can tell you that. It's going to be a fight. You're, you're, are you presenting his case? Is that how it works? I am presenting his case to the other 47 selectors. Um, and the presentation is pretty much already done. Um, I, I just need to refine it a little bit and, um, you know, what can I tell you? There's a lot of guys that are also, this is Zach's first year in the room. There's a lot of guys who have been in the room before. There's a lot of guys who are coming in that are probably as deserving as, as Zach. Um, I don't care. We'll, We'll figure it out. Your, um, I would never underestimate your powers of persuasion. So uh, Zach will have yeah. a more than a more than capable advocate in Armando Salguero. I I I, I urge uh, anyone who's listening to go out and seek out the uh, the profile you wrote on him. Uh, it's 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 a it's it's a meaty read. It's a long read, but it's a it's a deserving read. So well done on that, and and good luck to you. Good luck to Zach and what should be a uh, fascinating weekend coming up. I believe he deserves to be in, and hopefully the rest of the selectors will believe as well. And plus, I don't want to do this next year. So <laughs> with that, let's, uh, let's uh, leave it off. Uh, give me a Super Bowl prediction, Adam. Uh, I just think it's going to be too much offense from the Chiefs. Yeah, that San Fran front's excellent, but I would say – uh, 28-17 Kansas City Chiefs. It'll be a close game, but Mahomes will do something Mahomey uh, in the fourth quarter. And and the Kansas City Chiefs will win their first Super Bowl since when, Armando? Uh, I believe it was 68. Is that correct? Uh, it's something like that. 68 yes. or 69? Is that they, fair? Uh, I think so. I think that is that is correct. They, they were matriculating the ball down the field. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you brought that up. Oh, okay, what's your pick? Who do you have? 
I'm picking the Chiefs as well. I just like, uh, you know, I think Mahomes is just too much. Um, so there's that. Well, we'll uh, we'll find out. You and I sitting next to each other in our own press box, which is wild, in the Edwin Pope Memorial press box, which is pretty touching. The it'll be the first Super Bowl there since his passing, and and there's a deservedly a plaque and uh, and a picture in his honor as you get out of the elevator. Um, it'll be uh, it'll be a fitting tribute to Edwin if this is a great game, which I hope it will be. And uh, also a a very sad ending to this podcast. So one of Kobe Bryant's daughters was in fact on that helicopter that crashed. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's gutting. Absolutely gutting. So they we're on their way to a basketball practice. <sighs> well, there's, there's really no easy way to, to, to segue from that. So let's just say goodbye, hug the people you love, hug the people you don't love, <laughs> hug everybody, be kind to each other. Cause uh, we only have so many days on this planet. We are but a vapor. That's Thanks right. for listening to the uh, Dolphins In Depth podcast. Catch us next week.